Welcome to the Any Given Day Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. Join your hosts, Hunter and Zach, as they dive into the thrilling world of college football from the perspective of the fans. From game previews to post-game analysis, they will bring you the latest news, insights, and stories that make this sport so captivating. Join them every Tuesday and Friday as they explore the traditions, pageantry, and unforgettable moments that define college football. So whether you're a diehard fan or just getting into the game, get ready for a wild ride with the Any Given Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Any Given Day podcast. Um, got a good bit to talk about today, but we're going to start off with something that came out, I believe, today. Uh, former Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald is suing the university for $130 million for wrongful termination. Um, I don't know a whole lot about this. Um, so, I mean, what, what what are your thoughts about it? Um, So, apparently it was over some he was fired over some kind of hazing slash abuse allegations um the interesting thing is you immediately upon his firing you saw a bunch of players and coaching staff members go and wear uh wear some shirts in support of him i can't exactly remember what they uh what they said or anything but apparently it, it kind of like ticked them off that he got fired and I don't know. I I don't know the entire situation myself, but because I th- I think I'm n- I'm not 100% sure on this. I think if I remember correctly, it was like player led hazing. So okay. and, if, and if that's the truth, then why'd you fire him? I mean, you can make the argument for losing control of the locker room, but if you're trying to pin that on him, he's probably got actually a pretty good chance of at least settling with uh, Northwestern on this. Right. I mean, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about it, but based off of what you just said, right? I mean, if he knew about it, I could see why you know they would fire him if they found out he knew about it and didn't do anything to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see, you know, a fire for cause. I can see why they would do that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, he may not have known and, and maybe, you know, Northwestern was just looking for a way out. So obviously it's going to go to court and they're going to figure it out and they're going to go through everything, but it's yep. unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, to get into back on the field here, UGA versus Kentucky this week. Number one, Georgia versus number 20, Kentucky. It's, I think it's going to be a dog fight. You know, no pun intended. <laughs> I mean, no pun intended. I mean, the big question for me, right, is can Brock Bowers continue his dominance that he's had this year? I mean, he's been unbelievable. I, she should be able to. It's it's like, uh, I, he really should. It's just like, he, he was kind of held... Um, out a bit during the first half of the Auburn game, and and they tried to get the ball to him in, in the red zone at least twice in, in 
situations that would have both both passes thrown to him could have easily been touchdowns. I, I think one one was broken up by the defensive back on, on just a really great play, but the other one I think he just kind of missed the ball, right. which kind of shows. Oh my gosh, Brock, Brock Bowers is human. But still, I mean, this guy has, you know, 30 receptions and uh, 413 yards. And uh, it's, 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 it's stupid. He's leading the NCAA for tight ends. Um, uh, he's, he's on pace. He could very possibly go and break Terrence Edwards' record over at Georgia for most receiving touchdowns in a career. Yeah. He's, he's, AJ Green right now at 23. He needs seven more. The possibility of him getting seven more touchdowns over the season is very high. Oh yeah. It just it it's it's very much a possibility. And doesn't he already have like three on the season? He does have three on the season so far. I mean, speaking of touchdown catches, I mean the guy throwing it to him, Carson Beck. I mean, do you do you think he could take the next step and really solidify himself as a top quarterback right now in the in the in football? I mean, he's got one thousand four hundred ninety seven yards, which is ninth in all of college football, which isn't bad for a, a first year starter in college football. So I I so, think he so could the, take the next step, but I don't. He's shown flashes these last couple of games, and he showed a lot of resiliency in that road game against Auburn. He's shown flashes. I, I do agree with that. Um, but he's not – it's not like the flashy plays. He he doesn't have – he's just – it's – it's how, how to put this? Um, I, the way someone put it, he doesn't – he doesn't – he doesn't have the sauce on – like he doesn't – he's not saucy on the field. He's very basic in, in how he operates. Right. But it works. <laughs> Like he, he dresses great off the field, right? Really great off the field. It's just I, on the field, he's very basic, very robotic in a in a, in a way. But he gets the job done. Maybe not robotic, but um, just your prototypical pat pocket passer. In, in right. a suit, he gets the job done. He's not afraid to go and check down. Which is hilarious, and 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 I've I've been doing it all these weeks, right? Where I've been getting on the Georgia fans for just like, why are you like this towards him? Because when you go and you look at how they treated Stetson when he first got the job, it was oh my gosh, he he he's too he's too risky with the ball. He he's slinging it down the field all the time. Play it safe every now and then, please. And now you got someone who's playing it safe. When, when now they, they can't, want somebody slinging it down the field, yeah, yeah, and, and doesn't take those chances and doesn't it isn't risking the ball. And all of a sudden, it's like we want you to do that. It, it's guys, Beck right. is a good quarterback. I, I'd say he's probably one of the. I'd say probably top ten. I like. I would want him on my team. Like, I wouldn't be mad at having yeah. him as a starting QB. Plus, it's like you said, over at Auburn, he, and we said this earlier, something 
not even something clicked. It, it's like he finally, he never got rattled. He was never bothered, and he looked perfectly fine. He had a few bad passes. The the seam pass to Delp, which I, I could say, I could very easily see that as being a bit more Delp's fault, who he could have adjusted on the ball. Right. Um, I mean, Carson could have made a better throw, but Delp could yeah. have adjusted better to the throw. It's a whole catch-22. Exactly, um, and and the ball to uh, I think Marcus Rosamine that got intercepted. I mean, it was a good throw. It was a good throw, and he was right there. Just it was a good defending receiver, receiver or defensive back made a play on it. Great on him. Right, Carson Beck's a great quarterback. He's got eleven hundred and twenty nine yards already. So no, wait, my bad, my bad. I skipped ahead a bit. He's got, he's got more than that. He's almost got fifteen hundred yards. He's three yeah. yards shy of fifteen hundred. That's on me. Yeah. He's got fifteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions. So he's good. He's good. Yeah, I mean, he's not flashy. He's not Caleb Williams, Drake May. He's not that flashy quarterback that's going to make these ridiculous plays. But he's not going to put the ball in danger. He's not going to lose you a game. Very rarely. Um, If there's anything I've learned being a Georgia fan my entire life is that the most popular person on Georgia's football team is going to be the second-string quarterback. Always. 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 Agreed. Something with Georgia fans is whoever – I mean, you could be begging for – people were begging for Carson Beck last year. All year people were begging for Carson Beck. And now he gets his shot, and they're like, oh, no, we want Brock Vandergriff. And when Brock Vandergriff's in, they're going to be begging for Gunnar Stockton. That's just, for some reason, that's how Georgia's fans' mind work. I've never understood it, but that's how they work. But regardless, Carson Beck is a really good quarterback, and he is not going to lose Georgia any games. Like I said, he's not flashy. He's not going to wow you with his his running or his feet, but he he can run when he needs to. And he can sling the heck out of a football if he needs to. So I mean, I, like you said, I I would want him on my team. We 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 could look up at the end of the season, especially if Georgia makes it all the way to the national championship again, and he could quietly have four thousand yards. Possibly, it is oh yeah very possible. I mean, he's five games into the season and he's got almost fifteen hundred. If he if he ups the pace a bit and gets to three thousand. At, by game 10, and you got four games to get a thousand more yards, which is possible. I mean, right. I mean, Georgia's been throwing the ball got, this season. He's been North. getting quietly 300 yards almost every game. <laughs> I mean, you look at that Auburn game and think, oh, that was a slugfest, and it was, but he had, I think, 313 yards mm-hmm. passing yeah. in that game. So, yeah, I mean, but- it's not like he's just doing nothing. But people are looking at the incompletions. Oh, yeah, great. If, if he could get five more completions each game, he might be averaging out near 350, possibly, possibly depending on if he hits some of those deep shots, he could have had a 400-yard game or two by now. Right. It look, you're not gonna you're not gonna hit those deep shots immediately, especially on the first game of the season, guys. And so you're five games in, you got a daggum good quarterback. The only thing I'm kind of worried about I Georgia agree. with Georgia is 
the rush defense at this point, and which is astounding to say, truly. But I, it's 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 easier to hit the edges against Georgia this year. I feel, and and you saw that a lot with Auburn. And to be fair, to be fair, it could very it could have just as been just as easily been the scheming that Hugh Freeze had up, but. Hayden Thorne hit the edge and got 61 yards on a single run. I don't I don't know if something's clicked in the rush defense all of a sudden over this past week. Cause I, I think in an interview yesterday or the day before or or something, Kirby seemed a bit more a bit less panicked. Or a, li- a bit less worried about his rush defense or the defense in general as a whole over the past day or two. Right. I mean, I think part of the reason that Georgia struggled against Auburn in the run is anytime you face a quarterback that can run, it you have to slow down, right? Like on the edges, you can't just run in there and tackle the running back because that quarterback can pull it and he's gone for 60, 61 yards or 66 yards, or, or a touchdown. So you have to be careful against a team like that. And with Auburn's running back that they did have, if you stop for a second, he was gone. He was quick. So mm-hmm. obviously against a team like Kentucky, obviously they have Ray Davis, who was really, really good last week, but they don't really have that quarterback that's necessarily a rushing threat. Not that Devin Leary can't run, but he's not really known as much for his rushing as he is his throwing so Mm -hmm. i'm not as worried about that for georgia this week although ray davis does concern me quite a bit based off of last week he does but at the same time i don't think any georgia fan was going into and i don't think any auburn fan realistically was going into that game last week with peyton thorne as a starting quarterback thinking oh he could rush for 100 yards easily or yeah, he could no. be the leading rusher for their team. No one expected that, which might have, which, which to be fair, might have played in Hugh Freeze's favor when he called those those plays. I. Anyways, uh, yeah, Ray Davis. On on to this next week. Ray Davis is a heck of a story. A great running back. This dude, he. From my understanding, I I was talking to a Kentucky fan earlier today, right? And he said, when you look at his look at the story, like he he's ne- apparently, from what he said, he's never met his biological parents. He doesn't know who they are, and I, I he was in he was out in San Francisco in a really bad part of the town, um, and he, he got adopted and he got taken out of there, but even still. He, uh, or something like that. I know he ended up going to a prep academy and was able to get into Temple that way. From there, he turned everything around. He ends up transferring to Vanderbilt, graduating from Vanderbilt. Not an easy feat to do, people, at all. No. Um, the, the running gag is Vanderbilt's there to help the SEC's grades for a reason. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, so after he graduates from Vanderbilt, he actually decided to go to Kentucky to go and get a bit more development before attempting for the NFL. 
And and that's a little subtle thing about Mark Stoops and Kentucky that you don't really see or hear that much of is who coming out of high school as some top tier recruit, some five star, wants to just go up to Lexington, Kentucky, unless they've got yeah. a gambling problem. Um. <laughs> Jesus. That was a good one. I'm sorry. I'm... Jesus. That was a good one. I mean... but, no, uh, but they 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 are getting a lot of guys through the transfer portal who want to come there and get developed. And I mean, you look at you look at someone like uh, Benny Snell and Josh Allen. Josh Allen ended up going in the first round and is still with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That that dude was a three star. I, I think he might have been a two star. I think he was a three star though. Coming out of high school, he was lowly rated though. He was very lowly rated. He goes to Kentucky. Mark Stoops turns him into a first round pick. Say what you want, that guy can develop talent, but not that many people want to go there Damn. out of high school. If they did, they might actually be a threat in the SEC yearly. Right. I, I do I mean, truly actually believe that. I mean, like like you said, I mean, Ray Davis, Devin Leary, both, I mean, two of the best players on that team are transfers. Exactly. Um, I mean, obviously, Ray Davis got, like, half of his full season totaling carries in one game, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, which is impressive. Do I think he's going to do that against Georgia? No. Um... Georgia should be prepared for him. After last week, if they're not, somebody needs to be fired. Yeah. Um, If I'm looking at this game, it's it's if if Georgia can go and be prepared for the run, then great. I'm not as worried about their secondary as I am their – the trenches. Right. Because uncharacteristically this year – the trenches for Georgia have kind of been their big weakness so far. And and you've got yeah. injuries on the O-line, and heck, you've got an injury or two on the defensive line as well. Terry Ingram, Ingram Dawkins has been out for uh, a while at this point, right? Yeah, all year, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and that's one of your returning seniors. So, I mean, at, he's supposed to be one of the leaders and all that. He's out with an injury, so he can't be there. So I, I do kind of wonder if that's played a part in it. That could that could change things up once they're back. But right, it just I, it's it's a seven o'clock game, a seven o'clock kick in Athens. It's going it's going to be dark out within an hour of the kickoff. Those lights are going to go up. I don't know if. Georgia covers because Kentucky and Kentucky's always been a grind always for Georgia over right. the past few years. It's always felt like a grind and I I think Georgia wins and I could see it being a grinder of a game that you know seems a lot closer than it actually is like score-wise it might be I don't know 24 to 10 or something but it might feel closer, but I could also see Georgia taking them to the woodshed in a way. If yeah. They, 
quick. I got Georgia winning this one too. I think it's going to be a game similar to Auburn last week. Um, maybe a little bit more dominant for Georgia, but I do think Georgia wins it probably by about seven, maybe ten. Mm-hmm. But like you said, night game at Georgia, it's a hard place to play at. So I expect a lot of false start penalties, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I, Moving on t- to LSU versus Missouri. Um, in years past, I don't think you would consider this a, a big game for either team because LSU's been quite dominant over the last uh, – since 2019. But this year, Missouri looks really good, and LSU not so much. LSU's looked good in the losses they have had, but their defense has been non-existent almost <laughs> all year. Which is very uncharacteristic of an LSU team. I yeah, mean, yeah, but their agreed. offense has been probably the best since 2019. I mean, they have Malik Neighbors, who's got 625 yards, which is second in the NCAA. We'll get we'll get to who's first in a little bit. Um, mm. Five touchdowns, and he's seventh in the NCAA on touchdowns. His teammate Brian Thomas Jr. is first. Mm-hmm. He's got 537 yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, those two, along with Jane Daniels at quarterback, is dangerous. Yeah. It's just if their defense can actually show up for once. Um, you, you've got you've got a freak athlete like Harold Perkins on on that defensive line. Or right. On the edge, I should say. Should be right. on the edge. And and you can't you can't stop old miss i just i if if they give up that many points if if they have to if they win a game if mizzou goes and plays a game like old miss did last week and lsu is able to come back and win in that solve game great i still think brian kelly look is giving his defensive coordinator a look after that though if they lose another game to Mizzou like they did to Ole Miss, the defense coordinator is probably going to be gone, and that's only so Brian Kelly can save his own butt. Yeah, I mean, I agree. This game could get ugly, and if they do lose this game, I do think Brian Kelly will try and make an excuse for somebody else to be the reason that they lost and not him. Granted, he you know he has a history of this, and honestly, I could see this game getting out of hand. Um, I could also see it being a shootout, just like Ole Miss last week. I mean, Luther Burden is leading the league in in receiving yards right now with six hundred and forty four, and is tied with Malik Neighbors for touchdowns with five, um, which is seventh. So. This Mizzou team is no slouch. I mean, I know Mizzou has kind of been one of those laughing stock bottom end SEC East teams for the last couple of years, but they're no slouch. Especially this year, they've been very good. Um, Brady Cook, Brady Cook has been really good. I mean, almost fifteen hundred yards, which is fourteenth in in you know he's got one thousand four hundred sixty eight. That's fourteenth in in the NCAA right now, mm-hmm. and no interceptions. So 
this Mizzou offense is really good. The LSU offense hasn't really shown me anything. I mean, a defense, LSU's defense hasn't shown me anything that they can stop an offense. So I may shock you here, but I'm picking Missouri to win this football game. Um, Believe it or not, it's not as shocking as you think because I'm also picking Missouri to win this one. Um, of course you are. Hear me, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. If it was at LSU, I probably would roll with LSU. But it's at Missouri. We saw how Missouri took Georgia, of all teams, to the wire last year at Missouri. There's something weird about that place. There are certain, like we've talked about with like Jordan Hare and Kyle Field, there are certain stadiums that have a weird, and I'm, I'm going to say it, freaky voodoo magic to them. Yes. I, Missouri's kind of one of those, you know? I, do you know when the kickoff for this game is? Uh, noon. Noon? Maybe not noon as kick. much. Maybe not as much freaky voodoo magic, but I still think with a five and zero Mizzou, because guess what? Them Kentucky and Georgia are the only SEC teams that are still undefeated at this point. And one of those teams is going to be not undefeated after this week, obviously between Georgia yeah. and Kentucky. So, yeah, and and. It's it's a possibility. It's it's a possibility that Mizzou wins this game. They beat Kentucky next week, and they beat South Carolina the game the week after that. And then they go then play Georgia. They're, they're waltzing into Athens undefeated. At what would they be at that point? Eight and zero. Yeah. And if Georgia if Georgia wins out on their games from this point forward. Then you've got all of a sudden you've got a potential matchup of the year candidate. And yeah, then, and then all the people who have been saying, "Oh, well, Georgia's schedule was so bad; it was a cupcake," and and you got all these you got all these teams in the SEC basically insulting themselves. Well, well, you've got to play this team and this team and you, and and this team and oh wait, that's us. Oh, we're that bad, right? Right, and they've been insulting the schedule for so long, and now all of a sudden, Mizzou and Kentucky are both undefeated, and there's a potential that you could end up playing two very easily top twenty teams. If Mizzou's eight and zero at that point, they might sneak into the top fifteen, if not outright the top ten, depending on how things play out. Yeah, I could see him being top five, depending on how the rest of the top, you know, top ten falls. So, mm-hmm. I mean. One thing that's going to play into this game, right, is LSU's defense. And say it with me. LSU's defense has been what? Anemic. Anemic. There you go. So I Put it on a shirt, people. Put it on a shirt. So I I do think Missouri is going to win that game in a close shootout. I I, Um, I can very easily see that happening. That's Like I said, I'm with you, Mizzou. Speaking of zoos, we've got yeah. Wazoo. We've got Wazoo versus UCLA next. Yeah, I mean, Rose Bowl. I mean, UCLA's defense is in for its biggest fight and biggest test of the year in this game. I mean, Washington State and Cam Ward have been ridiculously good on offense this year. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, Cam Ward's yards don't really pop out at you. Um, it's not like the best, but it's very good. And he's had a couple 400-yard games this year already. And Dante Moore for UCLA has 
not been great. Granted, true, true freshman, but only 849 yards, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions. Um, and that's really the only highlight of that UCLA offense. I mean, that UCLA yeah. is a defensive team similar to, to Utah right now. Um, Which is weird with Chip Kelly as your head coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering Chip Kelly, if you look back at you know Oregon, that was a powerhouse offensively. And this team is definitely not that. Um, yeah, no. A big thing in this game, UCLA's defense only a- allows on average about 186 yards passing. And Washington State averages about 250 yards passing. So that's going to be a big story in this game is can UCLA stop that passing attack? Oh, that is a good one, actually. Um, The, the surprising thing, I think, is um, the total amount of – well, not total amount. Cam Ward's touchdown-to-interception ratio, 13-0, mm-hmm. that's – really impressive actually um yeah he's he's like you said yards don't necessarily pop out even though he's almost 1400 yards i think so it's yeah they don't necessarily pop out but then again he also didn't go and have a game where he had to throw for 600 something yards like uh jaden daniels did or right Yes, I, I mean, it was... <laughs> right. I mean, the story of this game is quarterbacks and defense because neither offense has a guy that just kind of pops out at you other than their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And UCLA's defense is probably a good bit better than Washington State's defense. I don't really know. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. <sighs> because I don't think UCLA can score or keep up with Washington State, but I think UCLA's defense can probably hold Wazoo decently, but I don't think they can hold them enough, and I think Washington State's going to pull this one out. I am riding the Washington State wave. I have picked them every game that we've had on, on this podcast this year. I am picking them again at UCLA to win this game. You know, you're right. Every time we've picked a game with Wazoo in it, they've won. So I'm going to finally hop on the train with you and pick Wazoo to win. Um, call it, call it a Pac-12 revenge tour because they're, they're coming out. They're they're, they're going to say, "Hey, y'all want to leave the Pac-12? Fine, but none of y'all are winning it. With it's going to be one of us. That's what they're trying to do this year." Yeah. So I I, I am full fully in agreement with you on that um i think we're going to disagree on this next game though texas a&m is is alabama come in to kyle field this year it's 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 i don't uh, know who i'm picking me either i mean well let's talk let's talk it out then let's talk it out then so yeah joe melton or Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow. They they both have they they both go J Mill. <laughs> J Mill. <laughs> J Mill and J yeah. Mill. I no, mean, obviously, uh, it's it's a battle for the West, right? I mean, the winner of this takes 
the driver's seat in the West, right? So yeah, but you could also go ahead and make the argument that A and M is in the, in the driver's seat for the West. But well, no, no, never mind, never mind. I forgot. Texas is now in a conference game as well. They're they're not in the SEC yet. I, I don't right. Game <laughs> on me. You can be forgiven. It's next year. You can be forgiven. I got ahead of schedule, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jalen Milrow's been really turnover prone all year. He's been very risky with his throws. He mm. seemed to figure that out at that end of the Ole Miss game. <sighs> Jace McClellan's been really good for Alabama. I mean, the I, I mean, the yards don't pop off the sheet for you, but when you watch, he's very shifty and been very good. Um, but Bama's receivers have been not what you come to expect from Bama receivers. No, no, not at all. I mean, dating back to um, Julio Jones, you, it feels like they've always had at least one receiver who could go up, make plays, get the ball, and right. they haven't had that. And I remember a few years ago when they had like Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, all, all these guys on the same team in the same core, and it was just insanity. It, it it it's surprising this year because they don't have a guy and you look at so and I guess that kind of dates back to 2021 they had this one kid I can't even remember his name anymore Ajaye Hall or something like that yeah yeah must yeah. be the next big receiver and then after during the off season at some point he transferred to Texas. And then he never saw the field at Texas, and but like he because he got kicked off the team. Yeah. So I don't even it, know where he's at now. I don't even think he's playing football anymore. I just I I don't. It's it's hard to process some of this. Yeah, I mean, if you look, Bama's leading receivers, Jermaine Burton, with 189 yards, just 189 yards, five five weeks into the year. Mm-hmm. And that's their leading receiver. That's not just a receiver. On that's it. That's their best receiver right now. Has 189 yards. Yep. Which is okay. odd for a Bama team. But is it also the quarterback play that's hurt them? Because yes. I, I, they they actually went and um, they kept Jalen Milrow to a very small percentage of passing last week against Mississippi State. He went 10 for 12 for 164 yards. No touchdowns, but no interceptions either. So I, maybe they finally got something figured out, or or maybe it's just the fact that it's Mississippi State. I Right. You don't have to go out there and show the whole playbook and throw them all yeah. over the yard, risk, you know, put you don't want to risk anything in a game where you know you're better than the other team and you don't want to give them anything to gain momentum or anything like that. So I get that. Um I mean, on the other side, I mean, obviously, Connor, Connor Wegman's out and Max Johnson's starting. Yep. He's got 436 yards and six touchdowns, one interception so far in what? One game plus mop, game. mop up duty? One like, and a half game, I think. He, he yeah. came and finished out the Auburn game when Wegman went down with an injury, and then he started last week. So it, that's really cool. good for one and a half games. Oh yeah, and for a lefty too, right? Which I mean, we, we do we do not discriminate against lefties. No, 
on no. the show. We we are no. we are pro lefty. No, oh, I mean my bad, my bad. Pro lefty. Pro lefty. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Evan Stewart is leading the team with 357 yards receiving and four touchdowns. That's a whole lot better than what Bama's got right now. Max Johnson looks really good. Bama's defense is really, really good. It's probably the best defense they've had in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Both teams have a bad loss. Yeah. <sighs> the, the bad loss against um, Miami at the Orange Bowl, that 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 one still kind of surprised me, but they did put up a bit of a fight at first. Right, yeah. But, it was close early, and it, it just kind of got out of hand late. But like, I, I'm I'm afraid if we pick A and M, then all of a sudden it's going to be a drubbing by Alabama. The money line, only Bama by one point. And <sighs> and I can believe that, but at the same time, Nick Saban probably doesn't necessarily normally pay attention to money lines, but he probably saw I, that one and was like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, I mean, it's at Hall Field. Hall Field's a really yes. hard place to play at. Mm-hmm. I think oh, is this Monday night kick? No, it's three thirty kick. I think is it three thirty? Maybe it, let me. Is... Yep, three thirty kick. Three thirty kick. Kick. I mean, anything could happen, but Kyle Field about any time is a hard place to play at, regardless of mm-hmm. noon, three thirty, or or seven. As long as it's not empty <sighs> enough for fans to go and be doing relay races. It's a hard place. This is true. I don't know. I mean, who do you have? I, you know what? Risk it for the biscuit. And I'm going to say A&M pulls the upset. I I cannot believe I, I, I have always gone with don't F on Saban, but something's off. And I still think it might be off. I I want to say A and M, but Bama's defense is really good. That is true. That is true. But A and M's defense has been pretty good too this year. This is true. You know what? Don't f on Saban. Don't f on Saban. Bama's winning this one, and they're winning it big. They're gonna take A and M to the woodshed. Jalen Milrow's gonna come out of his shell, and they're winning this one by two touchdowns. Wow. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns? Two touchdowns in Cal Field. They're going to take him to the woodshell. Huh? You want to risk an extra point on that? Yeah. That's a joke. That's a joke. Nope. No, no, no. You said it. Extra point. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Moving on to the big game of the week. Number 12, Oklahoma, versus number 3, Texas, in the Red River rivalry. Nope, 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 nope. What? No, it's the Red River shootout. I'm sick and tired of politicians. Yes, I'm sick and tired of politicians sticking their hands into college football. Leave it alone, people. Leave it alone. It's the Red River shootout. I don't care about any negative connotations or anything of that sort. Any true-blooded college football fan will call that the Red River shootout. Okay, I'm sorry, the Red River shootout. The last Red River shootout in the Big 12 before they move to the SEC next year. 
This one's, I think, gonna be crazy. I mean, it's off AT and T. I probably shouldn't say that. They're they're my mobile provider. I probably should say that. <laughs> I mean, I think this one's gonna be a heck of a game. Quinn Ewers has been really good, and he's definitely grown up since last year. I mean, 1,358 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, one interception. He's been really good. Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma has been better. 1,593 yards, 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions, which is really good. I mean... That that has been the surprising thing. Oklahoma's offense has been there all of a sudden and it's yeah. like I, I I expected their offense to not only take one step back but probably two to three step backs for a yeah. year or two under venerables. I didn't expect it to go and get this good this soon. Um no. I, I, I mean I'm like really uh, he's defensive minded coach. It doesn't Right. But I just I, I mean, Jonathan Brooks for Texas has really taken that, that running back one spot, though, hasn't he? I mean, 597 yards, five touchdowns, 87, 86 carries. He's yeah. been really good. That Texas offense is crazy. I mean, you think you got Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell on the outside, mm-hmm. both with over 300 yards receiving. And then, and like you said, Jonathan Brooks, which he's done a great job of um, filling in for Bajan Robinson since he's gone right. to the Right. I mean, Oklahoma really doesn't have a guy like Xavier Worthy or A.D. Mitchell on their team. It's really spreading out the wealth. I mean, you got to think they lost a lot of talent offensively anyways once Lincoln Riley left to go to, to USC. I mean, Because he took he took their took starting quarterback and Caleb Williams. He took their uh, – he took any of the guys who wanted to follow him. Right. Which, which a lot of them did, especially the receivers. Yep. And uh, which, like, like the show has said before, Lincoln Riley soft. Waft. Still is. Yeah. Always I will mean, be. We're, we're not, anyone who is pro Lincoln Riley, you do not have to stay. Like, like you can stay, but like, just know we are going to rag on him when we get a chance oh. to. Every chance we get. Um, I mean, the real question is, can Oklahoma's defense slow down this Texas offense? Because they've been high-powered all year long. So can can they slow down this Texas offense? I, I think another thing that helps Oklahoma in this situation is, like you said, they don't really have a big go-to receiver. Right. Of one who's taking up all the, all the play, all the big plays, and all that. If you can just have one or two of them step up to make a crucial catch every now and then, then you're good. Because, and if they can all, if you trust them all to make a crucial catch every now and then, even better. Because then you truly. Like you, you're leaving all those defenses very little to lean into. Of okay, this is going to be their go-to guy. This is their go-to receiver. So right. need to be. We need to bracket this guy or put him in double coverage. You can't really do that. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, this is going to be a real shootout. 
mm. you know, just just like the good old times, the good old days. And shoot it's out. shoot out, and it's gonna be close. Um, who who do you have one in this one? You know, the money line is Texas minus five. Yep. But something I don't know why. I and I could be terribly wrong. <laughs> Once again, what something is telling me Oklahoma beats them. Because no one sees it coming. Wow. It is hate. There is hate between these two schools. Yes. Now, I have a little surprise for how I'm going to pick the big game of the week this week. Okay, so I, I need a drum roll. Oh, oh. Um. Music? Hook 'em horns, baby. Hook 'em Hook horns. horns. Hook 'em horns. Hook 'em horns. Texas is gonna come in and win this game. Two touchdowns. Two, Two touchdowns. touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. I'm telling you. Two touchdowns. Texas is gonna come in and wipe the floor with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is not ready for what's coming. Hook 'em horns. Wow. Hook 'em horns. Wow. Okay. Uh, boomer sooner for me then, I guess. Boomer sooner for you. All right. I cannot believe I just said that. All right. Well, I believe that's all we got time for today, guys. Mm-hmm. See you guys later. I guess, maybe. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Any Given Day podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. You can find us under the name Any Given Day Podcast. Stay updated with our latest episodes and insights. And don't forget, the next episode will be out Tuesday where we will review some of the big games from this weekend. Until then, keep the spirit of the game alive. And remember, in this sport, anything can happen on any given day. See y'all in the next play.